In the 1840s, Illinois was a violent, dangerous place, but it wasn't without law. On today's episode, the second in our series, we will pick up with the trial of the accused murderers of Joseph and Hiram Smith. I'm Nate Olson, and this is Adventures in Mormon History. Trial began on May 24, 1845. The defendants, Mark Aldrich, William Grover, Jacob Davis, Tom Sharp, and Levi Williams, sat at the council table while the prosecutor, Josiah Lamborn, began his case. Each of them tried to look calm and put on a brave face. They knew they had retained some of the best defense attorneys in Illinois, including Orville Browning, a friend of Abraham Lincoln and future founder of the Republican Party. They knew that the spectators, rowdy, drunk, and armed to the teeth, were solidly on their side. But even so, they knew that Illinois law allowed for only one possible sentence if they were found guilty. Death by hanging. Lamborn called a large number of witnesses, trying to place the defendants at the scene of the crime. Each of the defendants was charged with conspiracy to murder the Smiths, so Lamborn did not have to show that any of them had personally fired the killing shots. It was enough if he could show they had a common purpose or design to carry out the murder. Now, generally, everybody knew what happened. The Warsaw militia had been marched about five miles away to a railroad shanty, and then they received the governor's order to disband. There were a few speeches, and then some of them, still with their rifles, turned around and started marching back to Carthage. They arrived about 5 o'clock p.m., passed the guard force of the Carthage Greys with no trouble, rushed upstairs, and killed Joseph and Hiram Smith. Lamborn's task was now to prove that each of the men on trial had been part of this design, this plan to murder the Smiths. Lamborn called Jonas Hobart, a local resident of Carthage. Hobart testified that he had heard gunfire and had ran to the jailhouse to see what was happening. There, he found a crowd of about 150 men. And that's when he saw the body of Joseph Smith lying outside the jail. He'd been shot, Hobart described, through the chest, the abdomen, and through the left shoulder. But in what would become a recurring pattern throughout the trial, Hobart claimed that he didn't recognize a single soul in the crowd, and he saw none of the defendants there at the scene. Occasionally, witnesses were openly hostile. John Williams, for example, was a tavern keeper in Carthage and a member of the militia. Under Lamborn's questioning, he defiantly argued that he heard nothing from the defendants that day, and he would not have wanted to hear anything anyway. The Mormons, he shot out, were hellhounds, and at the time, he sincerely had hoped they would all be exterminated. And then, apparently afraid he would be misunderstood, he turned to the jury and added, And I still do. That is, I, I still wish for the Mormons to be exterminated. Lamborn then called George Walker and John Payton, two members of the Warsaw Militia. Both of them testified that they had marched with Levi Williams to the railroad shanties. They both testified that after Levi Williams read the order discharging them, Mark Aldridge and Williams began to stir up the crowd, 
looking for volunteers to go to Carthage as the Mormons had too much power and they had to be stopped. Then Tom Sharp made a speech. About half the men then started toward Carthage. Aldrich, Grover, Sharp and Williams that day went to Carthage, but Davis had stayed back. Lamborn asked, did they say anything in their speech about Joseph Smith? Peyton, after a considerable time, answered, he said that Smith was now in custody and the Mormons would elect the jury and get him set free. Walker added that Davis had said, I'd be damned if I was going to kill a man confined in prison. But despite hammering questions at the witnesses, neither would say that any of the defendants had said anything about killing the Smiths, and both claimed they had no idea what the group intended when it started on its way to Carthage. Lamborn also called members of the Carthage militia who had been guarding the jail, Baldwin Samuels, George Blackman, and Eli Williams. They had all been on the courthouse square when they heard shots fired at the jail. They formed up and started marching. At the corner, they saw Levi Williams on his horse. Two saw Aldrich at the same time, and they testified they saw Sharp, Aldrich, and Williams around the courthouse shortly before the shooting. Eli Williams testified that when he had marched within about 150 yards of the jail, he saw Joseph Smith fall from the window. He heard some more gunfire, and then the mob retreated. But none of them would testify about either hearing or seeing anything from the defendants beyond that. Josiah Lamborn then made a risky move and called Frank Worrell to the stand. Frank Worrell was one of the commanders of the Carthage Greys, the force that had been tasked with securing and guarding the prison. Worrell was a young man, but very popular with the old settlers. But it's not clear if Lamborn understood just how much Worrell had hated the Mormons. The night before the murders, Worrell had warned Dan Jones, a friend of Joseph and Hiram Smith, to leave the jail. Quote, We've had too much trouble to bring old Joe here to ever let him leave alive again, he warned, and that anyone in the jail would die with him. Just wait, he added with a sneer. You'll see that I can prophesy as well as old Joe. It was widely believed that the Carthage Greys had conspired in the murder by putting up a sham defense and loading their weapons with blanks so as not to hurt anyone in the mob during the attack. On the stand, Worrell described being at the jail. There was a great crowd, as thick as in this courtroom. Their pieces were going off all the time and there was so much noise and smoke, I couldn't see or hear anything, what was done or what was said. He testified positively that he did not see any of the defendants in the jail. He didn't recognize a soul in the mob. Then, Lamborn rolled the dice. He turned on the witness and asked point blank, did the Carthage Greys load their rifles with blank cartridge? The defense counsel objected and the spectators in the crowd began a loud, angry clamor. Now this put Worrell in a very difficult situation. If the answer was no, they all had live ammunition, how was it that none of the guard had so much as shot a single member of the mob or been hurt themselves during the attack? That would suggest either the grossest cowardice, incompetence, and dereliction of duty, 
But on the other hand, if the answer was yes, they had loaded their pieces with blanks, that was tantamount to an admission that Worrell and his troops had been in league with the killers and had themselves been part of the conspiracy, in which case they too should be on trial. It was in moments like these that Judge Richard Young believed his life was not in any way secure, possibly in an effort to calm the angry, drunk, belligerent spectators Judge Young ruled that the witness need not answer the question if it might incriminate him. Frank Worrell, taking the cue, responded, I will not answer that question on the grounds that I might incriminate myself. Thus far, the trial was not going well for Lamborn. He wasn't getting anywhere and he knew it. To have any chance of success, he had to have a witness not just put the defendants in the neighborhood of the Carthage jail, but actively participating or encouraging the murders. And while almost no Mormons would have anything to do with the trial, Lamborn had three that agreed to testify. It was now time to call them to the stand. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Adventures in Mormon History. I'm your host, Nate Olson, and please join us next time as we conclude the trial of the accused murderers of Joseph and Hiram Smith.